welcome to the show where we cast our favorite books into film. I'm Rachel. I'm Flo. And I'm Roxanne. And this is Typecast, brought to you by Rare Birds Book Club. This week, we're discussing Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. I just thought since I was doing the intro, I might as well just put it straight in. <laughs> You're really messing up the format here. Was that in JK? Was there too much space before I said my name? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there was some slight panic. <laughs> Flo forgot to say her name. <laughs> I, I blanked on the title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was fine. I thought my performance went well. Actually, for once, Rox completely nailed it. You, <laughs> this is something um, the audience doesn't really get to hear very often, is all our kind of like blooper takes. But whenever Rox has to do the intro, she usually has to do it like once or twice because halfway through, she's just like, and this is... Uh, yeah, uh. I, I mess it up every single time. She just gets so, a bit uh, overwhelmed. Yeah, but you were absolutely flawless today. I thank you. I stuck that landing of my Maybe own this- name. <laughs> this, this is series two, like... Flo and I just have completely lost it and Rock's pure composure. <laughs> I, think, I think I got complacent. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, Overconfident. Well, so, crawdad thing. Should we kick off with the synopsis first? Yeah. I, you know, let's get right into it. This, so th- this was a book club pick a couple of months ago and a hugely popular book stateside and here as well. It's a bestseller in the States and in Canada and a bestseller in the UK. We'll get into it after we get into the summary, but this is one of those books that the people who love this book love this book. Our story begins in 1969 in a small coastal town in North Carolina when a local man, star quarterback and town heartthrob Chase Andrews, is found dead. Jumping back in time to 1952, we meet six-year-old Kaya, who is living in near poverty in the marshes, abandoned by her mother and older siblings and with her abusive alcoholic father barely on the scene. Kaya is left to fend for herself. Over the years, Kaya finds comfort in the marsh, turning to her wild surroundings to teach her about the world. As she matures into a young woman, she draws the eye of two very different young men and in her loneliness becomes romantically entangled with both. Meanwhile, in 1969, the local sheriff investigates Chase's death, wondering how it is that a mysterious local known as the Marsh Girl might be involved. Yeah, so maybe at this point, if you've heard the synopsis and you thought, that sounds good, I want to read that, maybe go and read the book first before you listen to this episode because we're really going to spoil it for you. <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk some spoilers today. We usually try and avoid them, but I think just with what the story is and how important the last few chapters are, it's sort of unavoidable today. So what did you guys think of it? I really enjoyed it. Um I found it a little bit slow to begin with. And then, you know, like me and Rox, we've spoken about this pretty much as soon as she encounters Tate, who's the kind of main love interest. It sort of kicks up a gear and becomes kind of exciting and romantic. And it's quite a bit at stake once Tate comes onto the scene, whereas before she sort of has nothing at stake because everyone keeps leaving her. There's a very slow build into this book. And actually something that a lot of the fans of Where the Crawdads Sing really love is just the incredible nature writing. Oh, that's amazing. Particularly in that that sort of first bit of the book. And Delia Owen's background is in nature writing. And I think that definitely shows in the book. There's just some beautiful passages 
of the wildlife and of the marsh and Kai living in the marsh, that sort of thing. Oddly, I found the ending uh, very abrupt. I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, it just felt like so much of the story was coming in in the last 50 pages, which I found a bit sort of rattling. It goes from a very slow, languorous kind of book to everything happening almost in the last three or four chapters. It sort of turns into like a very detailed courtroom drama, doesn't it? Mm. I was like listening to it and I was kind of thinking like, is she a lawyer? The interesting thing about the end part of the book too is that there is sort of a turnaround that happens because Chase is this kind of, he's the sort of golden boy of this small town and him and Kaya have a relationship. Then it turns out that he's not such a nice guy. That's kind of as much as we know. And then the sheriff is investigating and for a minute it feels like, a bit of a witch hunt, doesn't it? We kind of peel back the story a little bit further and find out about Chase's attempted rape and she gets away and it's really violent. He sort of comes back for her. And then the implication is that maybe actually she has killed him. I mean, it's pretty heavily implied. The only thing she leaves that sort of Easter egg. So right at the end of the book, Tate, who's now had has been with Kaya after she passes away he finds all these poems written by her and one sort of points to the fact that she was there and pushed Chate um, she she sort of lured him there yeah to kill him but then there's this other easter egg that's going around as there's a scene where she's throwing this red hat, the hat back and forth the hat, yeah Tate, and the one that gets it right at the end is is Tate is and Tate. that's sort of considered a big piece of evidence as well I don't know I mean I think it was she meant us to to think Kaya killed him I think yeah, that was definitely. Yorker's intention well because she's so. also got the shell necklace I have to admit that I would have found it is sort of a more interesting ending if it was actually Tate who did it. I I agree. Like I kind of, in the book, if you sort of read back and read carefully, Tate sort of has, Tate should have the hat. Mm. And this hat becomes a key piece of evidence that whoever whoever potentially murdered Chase is wearing the hat. And I really liked the idea at the end of like, if if it was Tate who had kind of killed off Chase and then just given kaya the necklace and been like you're safe now i mean yeah but then I, that whole ending doesn't make sense because no he's, i know he's, he's discovering that was the, the ending, ending i wanted <laughs> as as flo said the, the the writing in the courtroom is very compelling i was convinced by the defense you know what i mean i was like well how yeah. is she how is she going to look so she's has she created an assignation with with chase how is she going over there killing him wiping off all the evidence then dressing up as an old lady and getting on the bus i just it almost <laughs> seemed too absurd and it and yeah kaya since she was a little girl what has she been doing is just learning to survive by any means necessary yeah. the her last encounter with chase and that's quite a powerful bit in the book for me when she has this like very very kind of terrifying realization that he's never going to leave her alone oh yeah that's like that's so well written. he's just coming after her and you know it is very believable that she she'd kill him in those circumstances because it's like she'll never she's not safe while he's around she's kind always. of actually an improbable character because she's yeah. like yeah stunningly beautiful <laughs> like a model <laughs> and she's also like yeah has this luminous intelligence she's an incredibly gifted artist so it's sort of like in if you consider it in that sense it's like she's kind of almost got superpowers and you think well maybe she could do it then (laughs) there's that funny bit as well because obviously the implication is that she sort of 
she's inspired by the natural world. She kind of looks at these bugs and she's like, well, what would the bugs do? And when she's thinking about it, she sees, it's like so on the nose, she sees a praying mantis literally biting off the male insect's head as they're having sex. And she's like, hmm. Yeah. That's actually a <laughs> good really idea. Interesting. <laughs> we're not going to cast them today because I don't think we're going to have time. But two of my favorite characters that really brought so much of the heart to the book were for me, Jumpin' and Mabel. Oh, yeah, that was so yeah, great. great. Who, who are so lovely and really look after Kaya and kind of become these sort of almost foster parents to her that's they're her only lifeline and the only source of support in her life through her whole life from when she's the time she's a child to even when she's on trial they're there for her and they're such lovely people well the bit when she takes her book she gives him a copy of her book and he and then he puts it in the window and the line is something (gasps) like you know just like a father would do I cried at that bit yeah I know and they're so tender with her too, like so careful. Even though she's so vulnerable and wants love so desperately, I think Mabel hugs her maybe a handful of times in the whole book. You know, they're just very when, careful. When, or when Kaya gets her period. Oh, I know. Oh, and she yeah. shows up and she's like, is Mabel here? And then Mabel just knows. I know. Yeah. So and she like, gets her the bra and then she's like, you know, anything that you want to talk to me about, I'm here. <laughs> I also thought that the, the discussions with the sheriffs were quite good. Like you could see them being prejudiced or, or not not so much Joe, the, the other, the sort of deputy, but definitely Ed Jackson. You know, you see how he just jumps from conclusion to conclusion. Mm-hmm. She writes that really well. So all the side it's characters a, and have it's, done really well. As, you know, with the sheriffs, it's a very interesting thing because he's actually right. All you know, he's prejudiced, yeah. but he's also he's also actually correct in his theory. Mm. You know, his process is all wrong and his prejudices are all wrong, but actually, his conclusion just happened to be right. What's that? Oh, and, he'll and he'll never know. And he'll never know. Time, yeah, right. twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think what, where I thought the book was going when the court case starts is that actually there's a really strong case against her and it's very obvious that she did it and then that she gets up in the witness stand and she kind of explains what has happened to her and exp- and, and and sort of testifies about her life for the first time and then jury kind of for the first time you know don't see her as the marsh girl and they decide to sort of take pity on her and they kind of acquit her of the murder which would have been very melodramatic but that's kind of where I thought it was going and then it didn't go in that direction at all okay so we have a few rules that everyone has the first rule is that there can be no daddies. We can't cast dead actors. The second rule is that they've got to be contemporary. So you can't cast Timothy Dalton as a 20-year-old man. You've got to cast him as the age he is now. And then the last rule is that they have to be actors. And we will consider crossovers if they're they've got a big project in mind or you but know, specifically an agent. <laughs> No Love Island cast members. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is very unfair, but yes, no Love Island cast members. Why um, Timothy Dalton? I don't know. You know, it just struck me because, you know, I'd cast him in anything. Have you seen him as Heathcliff? My God. I just feel like on this podcast, we often come back to former Bonds. (laughs) Well, that's that's your fault. (laughs) You're you're the (laughs) one who's pushing young Sean Connery on us. Like we've talked about Timothy Dalton as well before. I know. That's weird. I, especially as I hate Bond. Oh. I think it is the most boring series ever. 
I don't know why that's so embedded into the collective psyche of typecast because none none of us are in particular. I haven't even seen the old James Bond films. I don't think we ever talked about Roger Moore. Oh God! (laughs) Or George Lazenby. I mean, (laughs) so cast pick. So we'll cast today. the three major characters in the book, which are Kaya, our heroine, and her two love interests, Chase Andrews and Tate. Does Tate even have a last name? Chase is always Chase Andrews, but Tate yeah. is just Tate. I know. And just something about the name Tate just doesn't... I love you, Tate. I don't know. I just Tate and Chase are very interchangeable for me. Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. get both confused. Very, both very preppy her. names. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. This... It's like a real coming of age story. And we follow Kaya in her life from like the age of six to, well, technically until when they're much older adults. So what age are you, were you guys casting for, for this? I kind of cast them as early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need, you know, you need an actress certainly for Kaya who could feasibly play like a 15 year old up to like a 25 year old. Mm. And then I guess you would separately cast like a little kid to play her when she's like, yeah, you know, right at the start. So we're casting her at that age. We're cast. We're basically casting them all at the age around where Chase Andrews dies. And then so, how how are they described in the book? That's a good question. Does anybody know? <laughs> <laughs> so Kaya Kaya is described as having very black eyes, black hair. We know she's Caucasian because that's made in reference to. Uh, Jumpin and Mabel being black and them not being able to really mm-hmm. hug or live together because that would be seen as as bad. Um, Tate has uh, blonde curls and brown eyes and is very tan and Chase has black hair, is supposed to be like really, really blue eyes and is supposed to be extremely handsome. And I would say that's – oh, and Kai is supposed to be crazily beautiful. They're all very good looking. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, it's the author makes – a real point of pointing out that <laughs> all three of them are exceptionally attractive people. <laughs> like there's no like, oh, she was beautiful in her old way, in her own way. It's like Tate is super hot. And here's Chase Andrews, the town quarterback, who is also super, super hot. <laughs> and as Kaya grows up, she's the most stunningly beautiful woman. <laughs> Do you know what I kept thinking? I kept thinking, I wonder how her teeth are doing <laughs> throughout that whole thing, you know? Oh, I was yeah. like, man. What's what's teeth health look like when you're just yeah, looking after yourself? Well, it, you know, it is kind of a funny one because Kaya is essentially living in squalor mm-hmm. her whole life. Yeah. But none of the realities of that actually penetrate the book. No. Like it's not like, oh, her t- she's never seen a dentist. So her teeth are terrible. Falling They're out, falling yeah. out or like, like she doesn't she- have a she doesn't have a shower or like access to running water. So she's, you know, usually like super dirty or like mm-hmm. does she have conditioner for her hair no it's just perfect and sleek and long and shiny <laughs> like how, how at one point she i swear she's wearing like white shorts a like denim white and, and i was like yeah that is not practical if you live in a marsh <laughs> yeah again and you know she does they aren't go, gonna be white for long she goes into the town and jumping in mabel you know help her get clothes and all that sort of stuff so that is sort of explained but she is living in a shack on a marsh but yet she's got, she's always well like, turned no, out. Like she has, to. she has kind of lovely really cute. The clothes, white t-shirt yeah. and the denim cutoff. So I was like, oh yeah. There's definitely a slightly, you know, unreal quality to this book. It's, it's definitely. very, um, you know, rose tinted glasses of 
because I think when you, if you try and think through the actual realities of what Kaya's life would have been. So, I mean, essentially, we're just like good looking people. Yeah. So, we're just yeah. looking for hotties. Okay. <laughs> Which we are experts in, so this should be a breeze. Yeah, which is what we're usually looking for anyway, so no change. (laughs) Okay, let's get this show on the road, guys. All right, well, I'm going to go first. Rox, you're going to kick us off? We're going to start with Kaya? uh, I'm quite excited about this. I found it hard at first, but then I... I, 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 I I have to say that I found casting this book actually much easier than usual because I I just have such a better knowledge of like American or North American actors and actresses than I do British actors and actresses. I just felt like I had so many more actors at my fingertip. Oh. Okay, so strong words. So we can expect you to win Some, this episode. Yeah, ex- expect big things. So you just be not, like, not I know to put, exactly who that is every time. Yeah, not to put you off just as you're starting, Roxanne. Not to, <laughs> you know, rock you off balance, but I'm going to win. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> so my first choice is an actress called Debra Jacobs, and she's actually a Canadian actress, and she's Indigenous, Mohawk, I think, the Mohawk tribe. And she's 26, and she um, sort of broke out onto the scene w- in the lead role uh, of a film called Rhymes for Young Ghouls, which she was amazing in. Um, and then she's had a sort of smaller role in American Gods as Sam Blackcrow. And she's in this life as Miranda. As someone who's also Canadian, (laughs) I think that's a great pick. You can never go wrong selecting a Canadian. She's just, in her turn in uh, Rhymes for Young Ghouls, she she really has that sort of, she has metal, but she's also young and she's vulnerable. Um, Obviously, she's she's older now. She's 26. But, you know, she's very beautiful. She's very striking. And I, I... I don't know. I saw she her. Actually, she actually, she's looking her up for it. Yeah, she looks quite young as well. So she, you know, you could easily believe her as like a teenager. Okay. I like that. I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know who she, like, I've never seen her in anything. So it's really hard for me to comment, but about her energy, but just from her picture, I like, I like the look of her. I like the sound of this. Uh, and then my second choice, I'm, I, I don't feel it's as strong. I'm, but Shalane Woodley. Just because she has that sort of, I don't know, sort of a cultish vibe to her. She's quite sort of. Have I um, ever told you that I actually once saw her in a restaurant in L.A.? Did you really? <laughs> yeah. We went to a, uh, no surprises, a vegan restaurant. Um, and there she was just <laughs> sitting having dinner with a friend. <laughs> did, she, did she give up Kaya vibes? No, I can't say she did. <laughs> she doesn't but she was, give me Kaya vibes, I have to yeah, say. She, she was she's eating raw food. So. She's such a great actress. I don't know if I see her as Kaya, but. Two picks. I, I would say I felt much stronger about Debra Jacobs. Um, I, I think she has the right energy for it. She has the right look. And I don't know, it'd be nice to see any more roles go to Indigenous actresses. Definitely. The, there's an actress who I think has a really good look for this. And then there's another actress who I think would be my preference for the role. But the actress who has the good look is Diana Silvers, who is, have you seen Booksmart? Yeah. So she plays, oh, she's the girl oh. who Caitlin Diva kind of has a little romance with. Yes, that is a good choice. I like that her. Really she's really great interest. in Booksmart. She's yeah. Great in Booksmart, yeah. And she's like, really looks like a model because she's like 
tall and slim and has a very, very striking big features. And that's how I kind of imagine Kaya to look, you know, kind of a little bit otherworldly almost. And I think that yeah. she has that sort of vibe. And she has a kind of, I don't know, like she... She has like a slightly vulnerable look to her. Yeah, she does. Totally, she yeah. does. That is a really yeah. good choice. I like that a lot. Oh. She, I think she could have a little bit of a dangerous edge as well. Like I think you can sort of imagine her luring a man to his death. And my second choice is Zendaya. She sort of looks like a little tree elf or something. You know, she has that sort of, again, she has that kind of otherworldly beauty to her. Yeah. I think would work really nicely. And I just love her. I think she's great. Okay, so I have two picks for this. My first one is Haley Steinfeld. She's in, um, if you don't know her, she was in True Grit. She was in The Edge of Seventeen, which I love her in. She's so wonderful. And she's also in Pitch Perfect 2, another iconic classic. (laughs) She's such a good actress. And if you've seen um, The Edge of Seventeen, she really embodies that kind of duality of really strong and kind of scrappy, but also sort of vulnerable as well. I think she's too peppy. She doesn't seem to have that sort of mournful, lonely streak that I'm looking for. Okay. (laughs) Not lonely enough. I hear (laughs) you loud and clear. She she has too many friends. (laughs) Yes, unlike the wildly unpopular Zendaya. (laughs) (laughs) Right, this is a curveball, and I'm going to say it's not technically breaking the rules. Oh my God, what are you about to do? The woman I have in mind is a multi-hyphenate, okay? Actress, she is described as an actress, among other things, on her Wikipedia page. (laughs) She has several film credits, including... Madagascar 2. Okay, I'm getting more of us. <laughs> and okay. I am legend. To just be transparent about it, she really is mostly a singer at this time. Following in the footsteps of her legendary parent, she can do anything. And um, the person I'm speaking about is Willow Smith. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Uh- no, Willow, Willow Smith, who is uh, the daughter of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, she's mostly a singer these days, but, you know, she was in I Am Legend as a I child. I think that's so. fine. I, th- I think, I think yeah. she has established that acting. I think the reason that she kind of came to mind for me is like she's very individual, yeah. which also Kaya is. Like Kaya, because she sort of has to, just really marches to the beat of her own drum. And Willow Smith has a lot of that energy as well. I like that too. I actually like everyone's picks this week. I think they're really strong. All right. So Tate next? Tate, yeah, I think Tate. Tate, okay. Okay, who do you have for Tate, Rox? So I have two choices. Um, One is, so his name's Luke Benwood, and he played Bo Larson in Dumpling, or Dumplin'. Uh, And he's just, I think he's got the right energy for Tate because he's very handsome, but he's not like so gettable quality to him if you know what I mean mm. and he's uh, I don't know his and dumpling is just so sweet and I don't know I think I've I seen dumpling and I don't remember this person <laughs> oh. <laughs> he look, he's got the right look he's got he's got a tight look yeah okay that's not truly how I pictured Tate but again I haven't actually seen him in anything so he's very hairy I can't do anything about that. I can ask him to go spend a few weeks in the marsh or go. Yeah, to I don't see. Lawn. I don't see him as hairy either. Actually, I see him as like really fresh faced, clean faced. Yeah, because he's got to play like a eighteen year old, hasn't he? 
Actually, so I, I actually then the the next ones because also uh, full disclosure, the person that immediately came to mind, which just seems to just crop up every episode all the time, is Aaron Taylor Johnson. And I was like, no, I'm going to try something different. Oh no, like, no, no, no. Who, yeah, absolutely no. not. And why? Like, when did you become an Aaron Taylor Johnson stan? I love Aaron. Like, since is this a long time thing for you? Yeah, or? it is a long time thing. Probably since Angus. Like what is it? Like snogs and Angus thongs and <laughs> there we go. Angus and snogs. Probably since that film that I super love. Um, no, so my other choice was um, his name's uh, K J Appa, who plays uh, oh, Archie. Riverdale. I can see him more. Look, I also Riverdale also inspired some of my casting. <laughs> I think I, I might have a bit of Riverdale actually. <laughs> I didn't go in that direction, but yeah, I could. Uh, yeah, I, I hate that one. Okay, well, th- those are my those are my tights. At least I, I got just, one. Does, like I don't. Does he have the kindness in his eyes to teach Kaya to read? <laughs> that's, that's a very specific ask. I don't know. But you know what? Like it's like is he leaving feathers for her to find? I wonder so if can, he's more of a chase. Yeah, he's yeah, he's got more chase energy. He's, okay. He has right. sort of star quarterback vibes, isn't he? Yeah, rather the, than just like, a, oh my yeah, god, the perfect, the perfect mark. square jaw. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Okay, um, I'm just going to say some names. You, <laughs> that's how you sound works. so nervous. <laughs> uh, Noah Centineo. Uh, he you could thought of too. him. I thought of him, but no. So yeah. that this is the actor from To All the Boys I Loved Before. I, I think just because he has he that sort that. of like he has that soft boy vibe, you know. Yeah, yeah. He does. Like he's just like a big, friendly lunk, and <laughs> friendly <laughs> I feel lunk. like that sort of tatey. <laughs> yeah, but I just uh, I just don't see him doing the sort of the the, the slightly older type for some reason. I could see him being. Like, I just the, yeah, it's like how we'll see it happen in real time, but I just cannot picture Noah Centineo growing up. <laughs> like I just I can't envision. Uh, yes, like a thirty-year-old man. Mark Ruffalo. Obviously. It's happening. It's happening before your yeah. eyes. Mark Ruffalo exists. That is who Noah Centineo is when he's a grown-up. No. Oh my god. I don't think that at all. But Mark <laughs> Ruffalo forever. <laughs> oh my god. It's oh my god. I don't correct. think that at all. So another person I had in mind for Tate was Dylan O'Brien, who yeah, is the kid from Teen Wolf and The Maze. He came Runner. up on my radar too. And I think he's. I actually think he's really great. Do you know what? He, has that, he seems really sweet. He's like good looking, but in a kind of accessible way. <laughs> I'm not sure he's the one, but. I think he gives off the vibe that he secretly writes poetry. Which so Tate that, does not do, so. Yes, but he's he's that <laughs> sort of person, isn't he? He's like adjacent to that. <laughs> All right, then he doesn't secretly write poetry. He secretly collects butterflies. And feathers. And feathers. Yes, and feathers. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then. A third choice was Joe Keery, who plays Steve Harrington in Stranger Things. Because I just love him and he's great. Oh, actually, yeah. I mean, that that, that is a good oh choice. My, oh, my God. <laughs> he's, he's 28 years old. Yeah, but he doesn't look I honestly, old. I honestly would have said he was like 14, if you asked me to guess his real. <laughs> this is hard, yeah, though. It was, hard, it was hard to nail a Tate. Well, then, step aside, ladies. <laughs> All right, right you I'm better curious. have nailed it because you've <laughs> really talked trash at this Dr. point. You've trashed Dr. Soul. Okay, I have uh, a couple of choices. So the my first choice is Cole Sprouse. 
who is he's in Riverdale. You may also know him from The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And he is, of course, baby Ben from Friends or when <laughs> six year old Ben in Friends. <laughs> No, he's too. He's too like edgy. He's too like, oh, I'm, I'm cool. Too I don't think cool. he is actually that cool in real life, though. I think sit with it, think about it. He's. Oh uh, yeah, I need some time. I don't know. What how about I feel his about twin it. brother, Dylan Sprouse? Mm, not the quite the right energy. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Hate I it. don't hate it either. I, I need. I he need could more be really time, good, but, but you know. I think you could really transform. Like I can just see him in like a little like blue and white check plaid button down t-shirt on his little aluminum boat taking samples in the water. And I assume looking across the marsh at Kaya and being like, no, I assume she doesn't belong in my world. In his eyes. (laughs) And he's like naturally (laughs) a blonde, isn't he? My next choice. This is kind of actually who I, would really want but he's slightly too old but maybe we'll just go with it (laughs) oh will we (laughs) i don't know we might okay um and that is dev patel so he's from uh lion and slumdog millionaire hotel mumbai he's he's recently in uh david copperfield He's the best. He's a little bit too old, but he to me has big time Tate vibes. He yeah, he does. Which is essentially Tate like vibes, but he a is smart, too old. smart, gentle, handsome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Tate. That's Tate all over for me. I mean, definitely with the kindness in the eyes while teaching her how to read. Yeah. Like he <laughs> exactly. Dev Patel would teach you how to read and he would leave you feathers. He would absolutely leave you feathers. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's I, I do think he's too old. Like I, him in like some like some dog millionaire years, like absolutely. Like I could yeah, see. I know. That's, that's why I mean, that, that, he looks that old. He could probably That's why I didn't lead with him because he I even I knew he was wrong, but he would be great. And then okay, final throwaway choice. We don't need to discuss this, but from Teen Wolf, Tyler Posey. I also thought could be taken. I had him down for a chase. Interesting. So we went but in so I, opposite directions. I should say I've literally never seen him in any, in anything. <laughs> yeah. So I was I. just going on his look. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel better. Hmm. <laughs> I think Cole Sprouse is the I one. I think Cole Sprouse probably is the strongest. Yeah. yeah. And now yeah. And he would look. We... What's, what's the actress from Booksmart called again that you suggest? Diana, Diana Silvers. Silvers. Like they, I could see them too. Yeah, I don't know if he's tall enough for her, but, but I actually I, I think that would work. I because I see her as, but I could also see Deborah Jacobs with uh, Cole Sprouse. Yeah. All right. So Chase, I only had one choice for Chase. I know this is going to really upset Rachel, <laughs> but I just was like, oh my god, he. I mean, he could definitely do Chase. Is um Robbie Amell? No. Okay. So too he's old. Wesley in the dust, and he's he's Nathan too- in Upload. He's the best. I definitely see what you mean because he's like the hot popular jock, but wrong wrong look as well. Too old and wrong look. Really? I don't think he is too old. I mean, Chase already is a bit older than them. And when, when the action is kicking off, like when when he's killed, he's like 29. <laughs> I think we might have to ban Robbie Amell from being mentioned Why? because his Why? name is coming up too much. <laughs> he came up in the last like- episode. He's not even a big actor, too. Like, why do we need to mention him all the time? He is. He would the be the best. I agree. Chase. He's the best. He, and he, you know, he needs he needs a role that really plums into his, you know, ability. As I can't. An actor. I just to be honest, don't I can't, see it. I don't see yeah, it. Yeah, I can't see that. I I like him, 
but I can't see that. Oh, man, I can't believe that. I thought for sure I'd nailed that one. So I'm pretty sure, I just feel it in my bones, this actor is going to be involved in this adaptation. I just don't know which role he's going to play, but I think he's better as a chase. Um, Ansel Elgort. <gasps> he's on my list as chase too. Yeah. yeah. So he's he... from Baby Driver, The Fault in Our Stars. He's also going to be in the upcoming West Side Story. I actually think he would be really good at chase because he would do very well at playing both a good and bad guy. Yeah. Because it's like, Kai is very deceived by him because he's not all bad and he does sort of genuinely like her, but it's just like the bad outweighs the good in his character in the end. So it's like, and he seems like, and he's like, come on, Kai, I'm a nice guy. Like, I just want to be with you. Yeah. And he's actually a dick. Yeah, totally. Like, you can see him being really sweet to begin with and her kind of falling for it, you know, because he sort of has that kind of little baby face, doesn't he? Yeah, which and which also kind of plays into that aspect of his character. Like, he's... He's kind of the golden boy in town, so he's used to sort of being really popular and getting away with stuff and getting whatever he wants. I just have a feeling, though, if he's in the, if he's in the movie, he's going to be cast as Tate, not as Chase. And he could probably do that. But, you know, would Tate put up a black and white photo of himself standing in the shower holding his hand <laughs> over his, his groin? Because that's what Elmer ch- Elderbot did. For charity? <laughs> for charity? <laughs> for charity. For charity. Do you know who took that photo? Who? His dad. No. no. His dad is a famous photographer and took that photo. <laughs> wow. Uh, anybody else on your list? Um, yes. Uh, Dacre Montgomery, who plays Billy in Stranger Things, who's like the bad kid with the like curly mullet. <laughs> I don't see him as Chase, even though he, he could definitely do it. Maybe it's just because we've seen him as the bad guy oh. in Stranger Things, but I kind of think he immediately reads as a bad yeah, guy and you do kind of need that slight deceptive. But I do think, I mean, he's most famous for that role, but I do think he's actually a really good actor. And so I feel like he would have he would have it in him to do the kind of sweet at first and kind of lures you in and then reveals his dark side. I guess that the just the one thing about him where his look doesn't quite work for me is he, yeah, on sight looks like he could be quite sinister. And the reason that this trial is such a firestorm, that has to be because Chase has real standing in the community. And he just wouldn't if everyone thought, you know, oh, he's kind of a bad apple. Yeah. He's got to look, he's got to kind of look like a good egg. You know what I mean? I think he could look like a good egg. He's got very long eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Now I'm just picturing an egg with eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to give him Ansel, a chance. But. Ansel's stronger. Ansel is stronger, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Ansel's stronger. Okay, anybody else you want to mention? Nah. No, okay. Okay, so I had Ansel on my list as well, so I won't mention him. Um, Somebody that I thought could be perfect for this, but again would be and kind of Robbie Amell territory is a little bit too old, unless you wanted to argue, unless we did say that we wanted him to be older, was, uh, is Glenn Powell. So he's in uh, the, he's blonde. He's in the romantic comedy, uh, set it up. He was also in Guernsey as, um, Oh yeah. The fiance. He's, uh, what else is he in? Scream Queens, Hidden Figures. I think he was in, he had a sort of smaller role there. He's, he's going to be in, he's in the new adaptation of Top Gun coming out soon. I mean, for me, the age thing doesn't bother me as much because Chase does sort of strike me as slightly older anyway. And I don't think that would read badly because. Glenn Powell has, is, is very handsome. 
he has a great sort of like all American quarterback. He looked yeah. anyway, but I think he could also play a guy that when you peel away the layers, he's actually a baddie. Mm. So I can yeah, see that. Yeah. Pick. Yeah. So I liked pick. him. Um, and then another one, I don't know, maybe you guys will feel good about this. Uh, Josh Hutcherson from Lupita from the Hunger Games. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I should have no. just left it at Glenn. <laughs> yeah, your other ones were, were quite good. Josh Hutchinson is like the anti-Glenn Powell. Like, yeah. That's like a whole He's different genus than... of man. <laughs> <laughs> but Josh Hutchinson's way more tight than his yeah. face. I mean, you couldn't look at him and feel threatened, could you? No offense no. to him. I don't know if he would take that as a compliment. I don't, or not. I don't know. He wins the Hunger Games twice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. he also like disguises he... himself as a rock and lies down on the ground. Like <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think Chase would do that somehow. <laughs> and again, Glenn, you know, Glenn Powell, I could also see with Zendaya. Yes, or yeah. Diana Silvers. Or Devery Jacobs. <laughs> Devery Jacobs, yeah. This I'm sorry. My only, I, I'm not, my only I'm not good pick is being totally I'm sorry, overlapped. I'm not putting her out of contention. Um, it's just I haven't seen her. I've never her, seen so her in anything. So yeah, she doesn't spring to mind. Too. I think Cole Sprouse for Tate. I actually think Glenn Powell for Chase is probably one of the strongest. All right, fans of Where the Crawdads Sing. Does it, If anyone has any suggestions... <laughs> Please let help. us know for just for sort of our own personal peace of mind. This is a charity appeal. <laughs> help us find our Kaya. Who do you ship and who do you stand? For old and what's the difference between the two?